0: This week on The Breakup Breakdown. Josh calls me and we start dating and he's really fun and he's gorgeous. I know something's wrong. Maybe he's cheating. I don't know. That night I start looking for some sort of proof and I see under the bed there's a box. I'm like, let me just go to that box. It's the only thing that I look at. I open up a box and in the box are a ton of different letters and trinkets and pictures of other women. I take the one on top and it's a letter. She writes this letter. I'm so happy we're getting engaged.
1: Yeah, finding a letter from your boyfriend's other girlfriend is about as much proof as I would need. Hey, what's up? It's Abby from The Breakup Breakdown. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. This is a podcast that gets to the bottom of those messy breakups you want to know more about. Like, it could be something you've seen on TikTok. It could be your friend's breakup and, you know, she's got some tea to spill. Or maybe it's somebody that you stalked on social media and you've always wanted to know why they deleted their engagement photos out of nowhere. As always, I accept breakup stories. Submissions through the submission form in the episode description. Also, if there's a certain part of the interview that you want to jump to, you can check timestamps in the episode description. Hey, Heartbreakers, welcome back to another episode of The Breakup Breakdown. Thank you again for tuning in. So, this week we've got a submission about someone who found a letter from their boyfriend's other girlfriend, but the story doesn't end there. But before we get into that, let me let you know what domestic violence shelter we're giving a shout out to this week. We give a shout out every single week just to raise awareness. And this week we are shouting out Safe House in Denver. They serve survivors of domestic violence and their kids through an emergency shelter, a non-residential counseling and advocacy center, and also an extended stay program. So if you want to learn more or see how you can help out if you're in the Denver area, you can check out all that information in the episode description. Okay, so into this week's submission so I actually got a tip from a listener of the podcast that they knew somebody who had a very dramatic breakup which is Of course, the word I love hearing when it comes to looking for content for this podcast. Okay, so basically the little bit of information I got before we hopped on to do our recording was that she had been in a relationship with this guy for a significant amount of time, like over a year, almost two years. And he was just one of those perfect guys. You know what I mean? Like so present, so wonderful when you're with them. But it's that thing that we always hear when it comes to stories surrounding infidelity. Like you get that gut feeling and you can't quite shake it. And you have to do that internally battle right where you're like do I dig into this like I know on paper it's bad if I go looking through their stuff or if I go looking through their phone like technically that's you know an invasion of privacy but I always like to think that if cheating is involved, I think if you find something like a search warrant is placed in your hands, like if you don't find anything, then you look psycho. But if you find something, then you've just had a search warrant this entire time. You were allowed to be there. So she gets that gut feeling that something's up and she starts digging. And it all started with a picture frame that she saw in his house. And when she pulled out the picture frame, she noticed that this was one that she had given him, but it wasn't their photos in the picture frame. It was another woman. And let me tell you, it opened up an entire can of worms. So we're going to hear about it when we break down this week's breakup.
0: I was newly divorced and I moved out to um, a beautiful lake house in in Sparta, New Jersey. And I was really into water skiing. And I one of the, the realtor that sold the house to my family. It was actually to my parents, but I moved into their home was a avid water skier. So I was on her boat water skiing and this bunch of guys came over on their boat to where we were. She had known that one of the gentlemen on there because she sold them their his house. So I'm not really thinking anything of it. I had just been, um, as I said, divorced. I really wasn't looking for a relationship. I had, you know, been dating here and there, but I just loved being single. I loved being free. I loved making decisions for myself. I most of my relationships had been. Um, full of stuff, and I was just happy to be just enjoying water skiing. But this guy comes over with his friends, and I don't think much of it. And later that night, my friend calls me up and said, "So and so, his name was Josh. We'll name him Josh here." Josh called him her and said she wanted he wanted my number. And is it okay? And she was calling me to ask me. And I said, "You know, I don't know. I'm really happy. I don't want to spoil my happiness." But she said, "Well, I gave it to him already. He's going to call you." So uh, Josh calls me and we start dating and he's really fun and he's gorgeous and he's outgoing and he he takes me to his softball games at work and he introduces me to his friends and he's just very present. And he asks a lot of questions and I gave him whatever, whatever he asked me, I think I built him, I I think I gave him the information to be who he was, (laughs) kind of, Um, when he spoke, when I asked him questions, his answers were pretty superficial, but I didn't care because I wasn't looking for this deep relationship. So um he treated me really well. And what I mean by that is uh he was just very present. We you know, went out and stuff, but he we had this joy that it bonded us this love of water skiing. And so time goes on and he gets um a job six months down the line to uh, do some international work. So he did, was doing some traveling. And again, we never thought Our time together was really fun. We had taken trips. We had, I had a, two, a two-year-old daughter at the time. So we spent a lot of time at my house, which maybe I should have said, well, why aren't we going out more? Why isn't he showing me his friends anymore? I didn't think of it because I'm like, this is great because he's coming to me and I don't have to get a babysitter. He's great with my kid and didn't think anything of it. Again, very present when he was with me. So he starts traveling, but when he travels, he kind of just disappears. He doesn't always answer his phone. He just disappears. So when he's away, I feel like, you know, you're supposed to be mindful of your feelings. I feel like something's wrong. It just didn't make sense because he was so present when he's with me, but not present when he was away. And he started traveling more and more. So I would have this heart feelings when he was gone and and I didn't, you know, it wasn't normal for me to feel that way. I wasn't that anxiety prone or jealous person ever. But I was feeling funny but when he would come back totally into me totally present always there you know it came by every single day and you know it repaired itself just like that plus I was really into denial I noticed that about the way I am in relationships I'm you know just to keep things going I'm very easily will poo-poo my feelings you know any sort of questions I have any red flags so um, fast forward to a year anniversary, we are together a year and I sent to his hotel cause he was away, balloons and cake and champagne and all this stuff to say happy anniversary. Radio silence, no, no, thank you. Oh, I got this and I know he got it because I called the hotel to make sure it was delivered to his room. It was delivered and they knew that he had gotten it. Uh, doesn't even you know say happy birthday, I'm sorry, happy anniversary. and uh, And that was the first time that I kind of questioned him when I spoke to him, but he poo-pooed it. He was out working or whatever, and I let it go, buried it. But I remember how it felt. So when I, that night, I had that horrible feeling. I remember being in the shower and crying. It was this, I know something's wrong. I, I maybe he's cheating, I don't know, but I didn't really, I couldn't even go there. I just, it was this horrible limbo feeling. So when he wasn't there, that's how it felt. But that night I remember sitting in the shower on my knees, just crying with the water hitting me because it was just such it was this horrible limbo, not knowing but you know, something's wrong and not knowing. And of course, when he came back, like nothing's wrong. So and I wanted nothing to be wrong. So back again, things are fine. We never fought about anything. The closest we came to a fight was me questioning him about where he was for a moment. He answered. It was done. So now let's fast forward six months. So we're at a year and six months in the relationship. And I stay at his townhouse. Uh, My daughter was sleeping over a friend's house and I stay over his his townhouse and he goes away the next morning, gets picked up by a limo to go to um, another job. Uh, overseas and I'm sleeping and I wake up and I, as you know, like you clear your eyes and you're just you know focusing your eyes when you just wake up in the morning, I look over and I see this paper bag that is under the desk. His desk was to the right of where I'm laying on his bed. And I look and I see um, a piece of a frame sticking out of the top. Now my pictures had been all over his apartment. I don't know if I looked that Date if they were or not, because we came home at night. But I did know this was my frame that I had given him. It was a very, it was kind of this like vintage-y, like tarnish looking frame that was kind of ornate. I knew it was my frame and it was in a paper bag. So of course my childhood wounds, I'm thinking, I'm not worthy. He doesn't want to show, you know, put me out. Um, he's hiding me, um, you know, all that stuff. It triggers abandonment issues, you know? So I literally like crawled on the floor cause it's on the floor and I'm crawling over waiting to discover, you know, again, the obvious cause I couldn't see the picture yet, but I could, it was my frame. It had my picture in it for a year and a half now or whatever long it's, you know, long time. I go in, I pull up the picture and it's another woman in my frame. Oh, my God. So I'm like, oh, my yeah, Oh, my God. That's right. So I'm in shock and I don't even know what to do with this because although I had moments where I thought that he was cheating on me, I really never let myself go there because he always came back and he was fine. So if he was acting the way he was with me, he wasn't cheating. How could you? How could you cheat and act like everything's great when he comes back? Totally. You know, you would never think you would think he's the perfect, you know, boyfriend. So... I, but here is proof. I mean, there's another woman in my frame. It's definitely my frame. There's nothing you can, you know, I pull it out and I'm looking at it and I'm, and I did something that I never do. And that is, I start looking for stuff. I start looking for um, some sort of proof of something that I've never done before. So I look over and I look under the bed and you know, I'm on the floor now. So this is my eyesight. And I see under the bed, there's a box. I'm like, let me just go to that box. It's the only thing that I look at. I open up a box and in the box are a, ton of different letters and trinkets and pictures of other women and so i take the one on top and it's a a letter because in those days we didn't have like you know so it's a letter and um it's a letter from a woman who's um from london and it's talking about how he she loved meeting his family oh i want to point out that i never met his family so his family didn't live in new jersey his family lived in the west coast but it was a year and a half you'd think i would have met his family but i poo-pooed it because you know whatever yeah he, they, didn't, they didn't live there.
1: Did you so, ever ask like to meet his family or was it just kind get, of the thing that never came up? I think in the beginning I did.
0: And then just kind of, I think you probably said to me, well, they live in the West Coast. If they come here, of course. But, you know, and I think there was some part of me that just didn't want to rock the boat.
1: Mm.
0: Some part of me obviously knew something was, you know, odd. I just didn't, I would, I just didn't want to, to rock it. And that's something I've, I've done many times in relationships. So in the, after that, so it's, it was not
1: unusual for me to do that looking back. So did that feeling of walking on eggshells, was that kind of throughout your entire relationship or did that only start when you felt like, oh, I think he might be cheating on me. I think something might be happening.
0: It started when it was, oh, I think I was. And then, and then it didn't have to really walk on eggshells when he was there, because again, you would never know. You would never know anything's wrong. You know, other relationships, yes, you would notice things. When he was with me, you wouldn't know it. You would think you were of the actual center of his universe. That's how he was. He was mm. so present. No, he wasn't looking at his phone. He wasn't nothing. He, yeah. It was bizarre.
1: But when he like goes away, it sounds like it's awful. Like, I, f- I feel like that must have been so isolating for any time he was out of town, almost getting like anxiety before he leaves, knowing how it's going to be. Did you ever confront him about your feelings? Or again, were you kind of like, I ain't wa- rocking the boat with anything? I didn't want to rock
0: the boat. Hmm. I was scared to rock the boat. And because and, and if I was and uh, yeah, so the answer to that question. So yes, um, if I was preparing to, like the day like our anniversary one where he wasn't around to even answer the phone, I was prepared. I planned on doing it, but hmm. the second he came back and he was acting like, I missed you, I love you, so normal. He looked me straight in the eye. I'm I well, I, I didn't want to go there. Why would I want to rock the boat? Why would I want to, you know, because and I, I and I made me feel like I was I, I guess lit myself, I guess. <laughs> Why did I want to go there? I mean, I was wrong. It was me. It was my insecurity. Something's wrong with me. And here I was like counseling other people because I was a psychotherapist, but something, um, it had to have been me, my insecurity, my past, my childhood, because Mm -hmm. how could he act that way? I mean, you know, if he was doing something.
1: Yeah. So. Where does the fear of not wanting to rock the boat come from? Like, did you have a partner in the past that would blow up when you would rock the boat? Did you have a short views? Well, I definitely walked on eggshells with my previous marriage for sure.
0: And I grew up with an alcoholic father, you know, it definitely goes into your childhood too. You didn't want to, I didn't want to, I wanted to be the perfect child then as well.
1: But yes, I definitely had had that experience in previous relationships. Gotcha. Okay. So you find this whole box and I can imagine, for, well, first you find the the frame and that is probably like, okay, this is somebody that he's currently cheating on me with. But when, is that your first thought when you get that box is that these are women that he's currently with, or did you maybe think, Oh, these are past partners and it's under his bed or. I think initially these are past
0: partners, but the letter on top was dated. Mm. as a recent date and it was a there were pictures in there and it was but she writes this letter I'm so happy we're getting engaged (gasps) no I was trying to remember either they were engaged or I think she felt they were engaged but it wasn't official yet but I'm so happy we're getting engaged I'm so happy I met your parents I love them can't wait to like marry you
1: oh my god wait so when was it dated like how from the date that you opened it up to when it was written
0: Oh, just a few weeks before. So this was very, no, this was this was happening like real time. It was the one on top, real time.
1: So again, we going back to that fear of not wanting to rock the boat, how, in your mind, how are you about to play this out? Are you gonna try and keep, lay low or are you gonna, gonna bring it up to his attention? So this is the healthy Jessica. <laughs> I actually was relieved and validated
0: mm. because all that weird feelings, all that time, I actually didn't fall apart. I was really, I, and I was very calm. I, I mean, surprised myself because that was not how I've been in other sim- similar, you know, but I re- literally took a piece of paper, wrote down her address, wrote down whatever information I could do. Didn't even go further in the box. It didn't matter anymore. I just needed to deal with this. Closed everything up, made his bed, Walked around the house, took whatever pictures were mine that he had out and my frame. <laughs> he took my frame. <laughs> I took, left her picture and took my frame, but I put it back. And then I took a, a magazine that he had ripped um, a piece of, of an ad and wrote on there because we had water ski every single day for three, for three quarters of the year, you know, spring, summer and, and, um, fall. And I, um, we always did it with a third person, his friend. And I said, in I didn't even say anything like he devastated me. How could you do this to me? All I said was how could you put this other person in the position where I know he had to have known and he had to lie. That's not right. I didn't even say that's not right, but that one line and then put it in a shoe. Didn't even think he would find it for, it could be, I don't know. I mean, in a shoe in his closet, it could be months before he found that note and walked out the door. I, I think I had a picture that was on the refrigerator, took that down, you know, just, took, took my stuff, not stuff I gave him, but took anything that was, you know, mine and then walked out the door, got home to an answering machine that said, honey, I miss you so much. I love you. I will be back in a couple of days. I can't wait to be with you a lot on and on and on. And then I took a piece of paper and a pen and I wrote a note to this woman and I told her, you know, you should get STD tested that I've been with him for a year and a half. So no one knows anything. I ghost him. I don't even want to give him the time of day. I don't even want to discuss it with him. So he calls me, but he's away. So he calls me, you know, but don't forget how I said when he's away, he didn't really connect. I think once a day he would call and leave a message on the machine because I wasn't answering. And as soon as this woman got the letter, she calls me because I left my phone number. And she starts screaming at me. You're, I heard about you. You're that crazy ex-girlfriend that won't let him go. You're the one that stole a bracelet, um, a watch that I had there because she was selling watches. That was one of the things she did for a living. He told me you stole. he, so he gave me this watch for my birthday. He told me that you stole that watch from me from him, him. And how dare you and your crazy stalker girlfriend. And yes. And I said, you know, he's when he's home, he's at my house every single night. So yeah, well, I heard that he goes to your house for an hour because it's his, he has to store his, his boat at your house on your dock. Um, and she's going on in whatever garbage he gave, you know, because she must've called him and, and then whatever stuff that was told to her, she's now telling me, believes him and telling me that I'm this crazy ex and all this stuff. And I said, look, I'm not, um, and you should get a CD tested. And she just flipped out. Then I get a phone call from him who does the opposite. She's crazy. She's a stalker. She's an ex girl. You know the exact same lines that he was given to her you know, a a version of that to me, even so I, you know, he was, and I didn't, and again, I'm not listening, I'm not talking to him. So I'm not saying to him, I know you were engaged or I know I'm not saying anything. So he's just, he doesn't know. I know all that. He doesn't even know how I got the information. I didn't say, you know, anything to him. So, um, and then a few days later I get a phone call from her again. I am so sorry. I did some investigating and I found out that I found at least seven other women in the last year that he had been with. See, she asked around at different trade shows, and there were
1: seven other women that she came up with seven other names. Wow! So she's just like asking people, "Hey, do you know this guy? Is he dating anybody else?" And they're like, "Oh yeah, he's dating Sarah over here. Yeah, yeah. and
0: Joan, and, and,
1: <laughs> and, and Cynthia, and this whole list of just women." Yeah. So yeah. you find out nine total, or do more come out?
0: Um, I at that point we didn't speak again, not on purpose. I sent her, I sent her the bracelet. I mean, the, the watch back to her. I'm like this is. <laughs> And we never spoke again, it, but it ended fine. I mean, it, between us, it, it was like a sisterhood, I guess, but I didn't, I didn't need to talk to her and I never spoke to him. I never, I never called him. I actually went out with his friend once. We never spoke about him though. It was like off limits. I didn't care. And um, I was fine. I was remarkably okay.
1: Well, I honestly, I think sometimes, and it's kind of messed up, like you said, when you found the box, you didn't feel angry, you felt relieved. And I think it's because you had something that was so black and white in the sense of like, this is wrong. I clearly don't want to be with somebody like this. So again, I don't want to put words in your mouth and say it was easy, but it makes it a little bit more tangible to be able to grasp onto something that's so wrong and be like, well, I don't, well, I don't want to spend time with this guy if he's going to do this to me. Well, there's something
0: very true about that—the the tangible something, the proof. Because that feeling of being in limbo, not understanding what was, what was happening, was a, is a horrible, horrible feeling. And sometimes people will have that and and feel like they and I have some proof and then confront the person and the person gaslights them and then turns it around and then they bury it. But I had you know proof and then I spoke to her, so that was that was what I needed. Yes, and I did not want to be with someone like that. Yeah. Do you know how long she was with him? Like, where was the overlap? I feel like it was about a a year at that point. So the first six months when he wasn't really traveling, so he's met her, you know, it didn't change to that division of his company. Now he probably was with other people, but as far as she, they probably met at that point. So my guess is about a year of our year and a half relationship.
1: Oh my gosh. Okay. So what, I mean, it seems like you were able to move on from it somewhat easily, but what did you take away from that experience? Like when you, like when you looked at him, were there traits that you maybe mentally clocked that you needed to avoid? Well, I think that
0: takeaway should have been um, to trust my instinct that when I was feeling that way, that's about me, I should have said something's wrong, but he, I was so eager, I guess, to make it not wrong that when he acted he was so good at compartmentalizing this whole thing. He was so good at um, acting that I did. I wanted so badly for nothing to be wrong. And I was so scared to confront him. So I think that sometimes maybe you, you do need to confront him. Although I don't know what he would have done with that. And, um, and as far as red flags, I mean, I look back, I joked about this, but maybe behind every joke, it's something else. So it's just really important to trust, to trust that you're be mindful of how you feel and trust your, 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 your Instincts. And one thing that he did looking back, and I used to joke about this, you know, he must be a sociopathy, and I don't, I'm not calling him that at all. But because he did this, the first few dates, he would ask me a ton of questions about me. And I feel like about what I want in a man. And I really, truly believe that he became that man i mean I, I used to joke about it so maybe it's not true but behind every joke we start wondering you know but it felt like he took all the different things you know, he asked me all the right questions like what do you what do you want in a man and what and he literally became that man now i'm not saying he's associated with that at all but that was really weird that he he became
1: <laughs> you know my idolized person he became that person yeah well, from like a mental health perspective, as somebody who has a background in trying to understand understand why humans do what they do, why do you think that a he would want to become what you wanted if he knew that he was dating or sleeping with or whatever eight other
0: people? Yeah, I don't know what his game was. I don't want to like you know we talked about the narcissism and it's all that. I don't I don't want to label him because I never had the discussion about it after. I don't know what he would have done with it if I confronted him more. I mean, yes, he manipulated. I mean, there are people who are not narcissists that can compartmentalize and, and they have other needs met. It is odd, though, that he was able to do this and be so you know good at it, because I have to mm-hmm. assume that she felt like the woman that I spoke to, that she was the only person in the universe.
1: Mm-hmm. I
0: mean, he had this remarkable way. It's acting. Right. I mean, I can't he had this remarkable way of doing this and to be with so many people at one time, you know, so um yeah, it's I also think that because I didn't confront him, I didn't get to see some of the traits that would have popped out if I had confronted him. And and it's easier to 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 figure someone else out when you um when things aren't perfect. And, you know, and I spent so much time trying to to eat up the, the I hate to say perfection, but he made it. He he acted. Do you regret not confronting him at all? No. And I don't know. That's crazy. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just didn't. I think at the time, the most important thing was validation and. Uh, than, than more important for me than a need to confront him. And I knew that he knew that I knew because I spoke to that girl and she spoke to him. So it wasn't like, you know, maybe if I I just walked away and he never knew why I walked away, then maybe I would have. But there wasn't really anything to say. What could he have said to me?
1: Kind of like what you said. I think sometimes we see the worst parts of people in the midst of conflict. And I think maybe you would have gotten more clarity on why he decided to do this. But if you have the closure and you've been able to move on from it, then you're right. Like, really, what is the point?
0: So, just so you to note, a couple years later, when Facebook started to become big, he did friend me on Facebook, and we were following each other for a while. I just didn't care anymore. Like I just—they say the opposite of love or the opposite of hate is indifference. You know, it's so it was like I, would, I didn't care. So for a while we were following each other on Facebook, and he'd send a happy birthday, and it was just like weird disconnect, right?
1: They always come back. They always come back. They could do the most heinous crime possible, and you could X them out of your life. They it's like a boomerang. They always come back. Do you know if he's like dating? Anybody from your the Facebook feed The only
0: thing I could see and actually um, I hadn't it hadn't popped up in a few um, years but oh, but a few years ago it had so pretty recently he had was in a relationship with someone who was consistent but they were never they never got married and they were and he had a child um, it looked like for a, a period of time they were connected but it was almost like it was the mom of her his, his daughter yeah. than it
1: was a relationship with him. Gotcha. That makes makes a lot of sense. sense. I Normally, this is the part where I go, well, tell me about your trauma, but you seem so healed from it. Like, where does that resilience come from to being just like being able to move past this so easily? You
0: know, like maybe it's because it, he at that time for the last like year or the last six months, there was a lot of time where he was away and I was feeling that way. And I think sometimes when it, so it's like a slow disconnect. Um, I was healthier then. I mean, there are many other relationships where that didn't happen.
1: I think women tend to, break up with their partners in their mind kind of over a period of time and then one day something just makes them snap like i think with any with with friendships with romantic relationships there's just like little seeds that get planted until again one day you get that tangible proof and you feel comfortable actually walking out whereas i in my experience i feel like men are a bit more black and white like they're either with you or they're not or they found somebody else and they're dumping you for that person but um i think you said something that's really relatable in this story because i get a lot of dms about because people come to me for relationship advice, which they shouldn't, but just because I have this (laughs) podcast, but I think a lot of people are not confident in breaking up a relationship where they're in that limbo that you talked about, where it's rocky, but they have those voices in their head that says, you know, relationships are hard. You just have to work through stuff. So from your perspective, how can you identify just a hard time versus like being in that weird limbo where you have that weird gut feeling, but you have nothing to attach it to? So I think it's, what happens to it. So
0: if you confront a person, it's how they respond because you can have hard times and you can work together and make a better relationship. Mm-hmm. So it really depends on how the other person responds. You should be ideally, I hate doing the shoulds, but ideally you should be in a relationship with someone where if you're feeling insecure, you're feeling, you know, uh, you can actually speak to the person and say, you know, I'm feeling A, B and C and, and, you know, and of course you do the I statements, I feel, and you don't attack the other person. You sort with a nice statement first. And it's really how they respond. Because if you did it to someone who who comes back at you and it's, you know, you're crazy, you're, you're insecure, it's because of your past. That's, you know, blah, blah, blah. Then that's not healthy. Mm. So I think it depends on what it is. But you know, I often talk about the trader within and um and so, and sometimes people's trader is um, that little voice that says, you know, you're crazy, you're insecure that what I just said, the other person says, and that's what you're saying. And so you don't confront the person and you live in limbo or you live in the uncertainty. But if you, um, the ideal is that you're in a relationship with someone where you can have open communication and it's okay to fight as long as it's done with dignity is the wrong word, but with compassion and caring, you know, about the other person, you know, you have two individuals, you're never going to agree on everything. Mm -hmm. um, But it's how you talk to each other. But if you're with a person who can, you know, maybe take a little criticism or not see everything as an attack and they can actually communicate with you, then it's okay.
1: Yeah. Uh It's almost like you could your litmus test for how healthy your relationship is, is how well do you fight together? Not necessarily how well do you. Well, loving each other is important. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, like, can you guys have really healthy conflict when it does come up? And it's important for the the children that watch that, too, for modeling also. So you are in the middle of writing a book or you're getting ready to release a book called The Trader Within. Can you talk to me about how some of your relationships are um, expressed in that book and, and what the Traitor Within means? So let me work backwards. The Traitor Within is um, a part
0: of us, not everyone, but it's basically your inner saboteur. It's a part of us that is created in childhood, usually by um, messaging and modeling by parents or people that are around you and also childhood trauma. So for me, for various reasons, which will be spoken about in the book, I had some childhood trauma and um, which made me feel fearful of abandonment. And then I had a mother who allowed um, my father to um, cheat and as an alcoholic and he a nice man, mind you, when he was, but um, who, who just did exactly what I did. And that would be, look the other way, deny it, um, cover it up secrets, all that stuff. And that was my model, you know, and you always let the man get away with it. You're, you're there to fix the relationship. It's, you know, it's, you need to make everything quiet and better. And that's what my, my trader was. So I, I took that information and it went, and that's what I did in toxic relationships. And I stayed much longer than I should. That was my trader. People can have other traders. It's whatever that little voice is in their head or the part of them that helps them or leads them to repeat um, dysfunctional and self-sabotaging behavior and patterns. So I started writing a book like 15, 20 years ago, that was more of a textbook about abandonment. And I was going to use myself as an example, but it was very educational. It wasn't something that would necessarily sell on, on a, in a bookstore for, for people. It was more like in a school. And over time, it was a little boring. So, um, But I was trying to figure out why I kept repeating these these relationships, these toxic relationships and not leaving and what was going on. And I was able to help other people and not help myself. And so in that quest, I decided to write a book that was more like a novel. So it's basically a self-help book, but it reads like a novel and it goes through. I'm married four times and in my Fourth husband. This is a very healthy relationship, but I had three toxic relationships prior to that. Boyfriends, a girlfriend, of two in between two. Oh, but cool. I talk about primarily the three marriages, but not about them. It's not about a tell-all about them. It's about me and how I process these relationships to help other people um, figure out who their traitor is. So I, so I'm, so it's this health help book, but it comes it comes in the back door because you're reading a novel, and I think it's very salacious, and I think it's an easy read, but you are getting helped as well.
1: Yeah, well, self-sabotage is one of those things that if if you're the type of person that doesn't do it, it's, it's such a weird concept. Like, why are you trying to sabotage like your own success or like the things that are gonna make you happy? Why, and I know it's so much more complicated than explain it in five minutes, but like, why do humans self-sabotage their own happiness? Well, it depends. Now, I think the trader, certainly my trader,
0: thought she, I'll call her she, she was doing a good job. I think that her goal was to make me never feel abandoned. Mm -hmm. So her way of making me not feel abandoned was to do everything I could not to have the other person abandon me, which means allowing them to cheat, allowing them to physically and mentally abuse me. And I actually, which I talk about in the book and we'll t- talk about openly on my on social media as well that I even um, had suicide ideation because it was better for me to leave this world. Even so I wasn't depressed. I loved, loved life. Like I didn't want to sleep at night cause I didn't want to not live. Um, <laughs> but it was better for me at that moment to not, to stop the pain of the abandonment to actually die, to actually let myself die i mean that's how that's how it was so ingrained in me so sometimes you know so again this might the traitorous part of me was i do think had good intentions i think that when people self sabotage sometimes their body or their they're you know they're trying they're doing something they're trying to avoid something else It doesn't mean, you know, and it depends what it is, or they don't think they're worthy or deserve it or, and they saw all kinds of psychological reasons why people self-sabotage, but sometimes it's just fear of the other person being the one to leave them or the other person, you know, depending on where we're talking about in what relationship and if it's work or whatever, depends.
1: Well, did that self-sabotaging ever work for a little bit and then sort of die out? Because I think sometimes like in my own self-sabotaging habits, like I know when I do it, it feels good for, you know, maybe a day or two or whatever. And then you kind of look back and it starts, you realize like the toxic pattern. Did Mm -hmm. you ever look back on, on any of those small successes and almost feel tempted to go back to those old behaviors? Even during your healing process, I still was doing it in relationships between
0: my last husband and this husband. But I saw, yeah. But I was able to stop um, it earlier. Like I would walk away at three months. But I But I would definitely. There was a couple months where I was still doing my dance. <laughs> for me, I had to stop dating. I really basically didn't date seriously um, for years before I met this husband. And you know, it's a terrible thing to say. I think I'm pretty much you know cured by it. Um, but I will never know because he doesn't trigger me. It's all about the triggers. Too, so I have this bracelet which um, I will send you if you want to give me your address. Oh my um, God, this bracelet. Yeah. It's something that I would give to my um, to my friends as well. Um, bracelets and I call it like it's like the anti-trigger bracelet. So um, it's something that sometimes you know we're triggered and we act a certain way. So if I was for me, if I was suddenly feeling some, I, I was going to be abandoned, then I would do you know you do you know fight flight but um, fawn you know freeze yeah so. I would fawn or I would beg, you know, I would, I was pathetic. I would beg, I would beg for them, you know, to very, yeah. You know, when I was unhealthy, not good. <laughs> but then if I had this, I would look over and say, okay, you know, you need to step away, know that you're having an unregulated trigger response and, um, and breathe or whatever technique works for you. Take a walk. For me, I would tell my friends just to call me. And, um, and then we can talk, we can talk about it. And that goes when we talked about communicating with people too, um, always better to communicate when you're not emotional. Because it's all about, you know, you trigger each other.
1: So you said something very interesting where you said that your current partner doesn't trigger you. And so I think people hear that and think, okay, well, if I'm being triggered, I should get out of this relationship or this friendship. So explain that more to me. When you say he doesn't trigger you, does that mean that every partner before was going out of their way to trigger you? Explain that a bit more. Yeah. I don't think people
0: that trigger you on purpose,
1: unless they're yeah. with a really malignant or a sociopath. Then they Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Sometimes our stuff, each other's stuff, like you're in a relationship, again, doesn't have to be a romantic one, um, but you 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 know you can trigger each other. So my biggest trigger, my biggest fear was abandonment. Mm-hmm. And so he goes not on purpose, not because he knows me and does it, although if he did, that would be very loving. He doesn't do it because he um, knows that I'm terrified of abandonment but he does it because he, he expresses his love very easily and he's very present. And he tells me, um, you know, every day that, you know, will you marry him? He has me to marry him every day. And he's just very, you know, he's just very present. He wants to be there. So I've never in my life felt, and even if he didn't, he just, the way he is, he's just very loving. I never, ever, ever feel that he's going to abandon me. There's nothing about him that would abandon me he would stand i know that he would step in front of a train not that i would ever want to, but he would step in front of a train you know for me and so in the previous relationships and one the one that i had which i do talk about in the book his uh, daily abandonment of me wasn't as if he wa- would walk away from me physically he wasn't saying i'm getting divorced it was that he wouldn't stand up for us in in, in front of other people in front of his family in front of and that feels abandoning to me. So it just, it's the trigger and yeah. uh, you can be in a relationship and you can nurture each other. And one of the best therapies out there, I think for couples is a therapy. And that's where you learn about each other's triggers and 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 then once you do that then you realize that when a person is reacting a certain way an unregulated you know emotional reaction they're doing so because of their childhood most likely not necessarily of what's going on there and if you can do that and you can look at the person then with compassion and it won't trigger you because you realize it's not about you Mm -hmm. so you can so to answer your question i think in a roundabout way you can um, be triggered in relationships but it doesn't mean it shouldn't be doesn't you know you shouldn't run away from every relationship that triggers you you can learn about yourself in a relationship you can heal in a relationship that's loving
1: yeah well also having somebody who's willing to look at you with compassion like like we said a little bit earlier um you know being able to have that healthy conflict and coming from a place that's not overly emotional and understanding that it's you and them against the problem rather than just like coming at each other and um i think it's really beautiful that you talk about you know, learning each other's triggers. Cause I'm sure that your per- current partner has things that were difficult for them in past relationships. So how has that been for you kind of being on the other end of also trying to be cognizant of not being triggering for them? Right. Um,
0: it's always been me so i've always been very um because of my background i always try to nurture my other (laughs) um and try to help them through whatever past pain they ever have i mean we talked they tell me they're 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 open about their past wounds and it makes and i have this desire to save them (laughs) (laughs) so i always wanted to be the um i always wanted to be there to say to help people heal
1: yeah so it just comes natural to to want of someone through it but
0: not letting people heal me so that was you know, <laughs> allowing them to heal me is a new thing for me
1: <laughs> like don't you dare be a good partner to me or i'm, I'm running <laughs> <it>. <laughs> I to
0: do with you although now i do <laughs> so
1: well is there anything that we haven't talked about or covered that i just haven't thought to ask or that you would really love to let the people know about your story or the trader within or just your healing process in general i just think that Everyone can heal
0: um, from their past trauma. I think it takes work, and it can be painful work. I think people should get help if they can. Um, there's a lot of stuff on social media. Just be careful on who you know you pick if that helps. <laughs> but that you know, we we I think we all have wounds from our past, and just to be you know understanding and compassionate to others. And but not you don't have to stay in a relationship because someone else has a childhood wound. I you know I think. We had talked about it before, I think last time that even, you know, narcissists are wounded people, but it's not, but they could, but they can hurt you and it's not okay. So there's a way to be compassionate about people's wounds and understand, and help you have insight and understand them and understand yourself, but not to, no one should ever be um,
1: abused in any way mm. and to know when to walk away. Perfect. Well, where can we find you on social media for people who want to follow along and be the first to know when your book is coming out? So um social media everything is at
0: Jessica j e s s i c a a n n e Pressler, p r e s s l e r i have um 44 um blogs on my website so it's it's and um and then social media you know tiktok and and instagram and and facebook and uh the book is coming out i hope um Definitely 2024, hopefully before the winter ends (laughs) or spring of 2024.
1: We're talking about self-sabotaging on Thursday's breakdown bonus episode. So be sure to tune in. I'll see you whenever you decide to tune in next.